The following may contain language that is not suitable for all audiences. It's time. For the unresearched opinions of two culturally insignificant dudes. You sound very relaxed again. Anyway, so before we start, I thought we'd, uh, this actually would be pretty short commentary. The misadventures of trying to meet new people. Oh, as said. As I had suspected, it's a pretty much a bust. <laughs> yeah, I never heard from that dude. Well, not even that. But <laughs> you've outed yourself now. People will think you're gay. Uh, people always think I'm gay. Well, maybe not gay enough, but... You mean not gay enough for us to get a whole lot of stuff going? Well, not gay enough for you to get any traction in... Uh, in uh... Hollywood? Yeah. So, yeah, so basically there's it's a lazy dude and someone who really just don't like people. <laughs> Wait, I'm the lazy dude, you're the person that doesn't like people? Or vice versa, it really doesn't matter. No, I like people. I don't. I've... Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of funny how the people who claim to be misanthropes are not. I've what never... the hell is a misanthrope? Am I using the word correctly? I don't know. Someone who doesn't like people. That's a misanthrope? I believe. As opposed to a lycanthrope, which is a werewolf. A what? A lycanthrope. Did you just make that up? No. Wow. Even if you did, I wouldn't have known. It's a werewolf. So yeah, um, we are basically batting a thousand here. That's so sad. But that's... I, I think. I think it's part of the... Well, we can just kind of go right into into what I was... Hey, I got a question before we jump in. All right. So why did you not want to talk about my my marriage last week? What about... You were like, you were like oh, let's not talk about that. Uh, did you use the expression train wreck? I don't know. I don't remember, but it's just... When I was like editing the podcast, I was really offended. I was like, what the fuck does he mean? Because at the time, I think I just, um, I just kind of... I don't know. Well, you're well, but when I when I was editing, I I like got offended. Well, your adventures in marriage are just so rife for teasing, uh, and well, that's just mean. That's not mean. It's just it mean. that's not mean at all. It's so rife for teasing, and you know you get a little thin skinned about. I was very thin skinned when I was editing. I was like, "Fuck you!" See, <laughs> I didn't even have to say anything. Well, you used some expression though. It was like it was mean. I don't remember what I had used. Well, when you listen to the podcast again, if you listen, you'll hear that what you said was mean. It's only mean if... If what? It's only mean if you decide that it is. Really? Mm-hmm. It sounded like what you were saying was my... Rep that it was funny. What do you mean funny? My divorce was funny. There were things about your expectations in that in that relationship that 
after getting to know you, uh-huh. seem pretty. <laughs> there, <laughs> when I look back on it, there were definitely some signals that things weren't good. Oh, you think? But I missed all the signals. You know, I mean, it's after 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 getting to know you. <coughs> you're. Uh, it's just too easy. There's... Yeah, but what does that say? What do you mean? What does that say about my uh, my future prospects? Doesn't say anything about your future prospects. No, I don't know about that. It just it's just that um, I don't know you. You don't really particularly come from a from a culture where I don't know. You and your buddies socialize by making fun of each other. Well, that's true. And I do. Yes. But when my buddies and I make fun of each other, we don't really mean it. Mm. Well, I should know this by now. Well, you you do know it. I mean, we take kernels of truth and just kind of like, you know, go nuts on it. But still, it's still... I don't know, man. If you're used to socializing like a woman. But if you understand, like... I'm like, if you've been married and had that marriage fail, you would understand. Understand what? That it's something that, like, kind of stays with you because you're like, I fucking failed. Oh, I can't understand failure at all, right? No, no, no. Failure in marriage. Failure's failure. Yeah. Well, it's no fun. I don't... I never thought that it would be, but, you know, (coughs) you got to get over it. Yeah. I mean... I like to complain until the cows come home about how much of a failure I am. Right. But do I really care? Nah. I mean, it was a long time ago now, so I guess I should probably get over it. But anyway, oops. I thought about, um, I thought about the whole, uh, the whole election thing that happened. Are we recording? Oh, no. No, we are. And I choose not to talk about do the do the postmodern because everybody's doing it. But I do think that as I say it, I want to do the postmortem, I'm going to do a postmortem. <laughs> I think a real big cause of why the things are the way they are is really because the dominant culture has changed. Okay. You have to elaborate. Well, we are pretty much entrenched in this whole idea of what people call compassion and empathy. I remember listening to some coverage before about about married couples, essentially, because there was that big thing about how women, especially unmarried women, are most likely to vote for the Democratic Party, whereas most married men and men in general are more likely to vote for the Republican Party. Okay. And the women were pretty much saying it's because the men don't need any help. You know, they want to do things for themselves and they don't realize that there are people that just need help. So men are selfish? I think they're saying men are privileged and unaware of their privilege. Okay. Which is really going back to that whole <sighs> compassion, empathy label that people that people have put on things that I don't think is necessarily compassionate. But compassion is not a female trait. No, but the way it's that human it's trait. the way that compassion is being put forth is a very female centric form of compassion. Okay. 
and especially now, it's not just it's not just female centric. It's actually kind of weird. You know, compassion is about making someone feel better or good or helping them in the very short term and very emotion centric. And I, I thought of that while so I like was, feel good. Well, I thought of that while I was reading the book San Francisco, San Francisco, which, you know, the author pretty much proclaims himself as a pretty liberal, progressive, lefty type person. Uh-huh. Journalist lives in San Francisco. Okay. And, you know, even, even his, even his, uh, his proposed solution to what's going on. Uh, especially in large cities like San Francisco, uh, L.A., the West Coast cities. Right. Uh, talking about how what's going on is not necessarily particularly compassionate. And, and of course, there are other factors going on there. There's like there's a there's there's a bunch of people that are actually making money off of all the money that's going in. I mean, California spends billions of dollars. Does he talk about that in the book? He does. He does. And that's okay. why that's why I don't want to necessarily talk about it here because... People can read the book? Well, they, I think they should. I think they should and come to their own conclusions about it. But I did... But you weren't up for his conclusion, right? I wasn't up for his proposed solution. His solution. Uh, mainly because I didn't think that it would be done because there's too many entrenched interests, entrenched moneyed interests. And that he did not address, right? Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> And that's, that's, that's kind of the problem with a lot of things in society, you know. There are entrenched moneyed interests or entrenched interests in which money is involved, like, like the various um, nonprofit organizations that are supposed to be helping. Right. They don't seem to be helping, but they seem to be getting a lot of money. There's too much money. Well, one would argue there's not enough. Come on, man. I mean, you just—I mean, you just turned me onto this other book, which I'm about a third of the way through, *The Lords of Easy Money*, which would suggest there's way too much money being printed. Well, there's distributed. Way t- well, the the winners and the losers. Right. The losers being the everybody, everybody. else. The losers being the normal sheep and goats, as opposed to the sheep and goats that have climbed onto the money that have the assets or whatever. And that's, that's not going to change. And it's, it's pretty frustrating that it's not going to change. Oh, I, I couldn't, I'm already frustrated and I'm only, I'm, I haven't even got to, I'm still in the two thousands with what I'm reading, but it's, it's kind of scary. But that's just kind of the way it's, it's, it's been. I mean, uh, so before we go on, I'll, I'll talk about this one example that was that was shown that, that he illustrated the, in San Francisco. Excuse uh, me. The author was talking about how, like, you know, there are places in India where people live in dumps. Yeah. Just garbage heaps. And they, they try to survive by collecting stuff that's useful to recycle or whatever to sell to make money. Mm-hmm. And... He told the story about this one kid who basically skipped school. He was very sad he skipped school. And he was with his Indian guide. And she was like, well, let me go find out what's going on here. And His Indian what now? Indian, his guide. His okay. Indian guide. Okay. In, in, in India. And apparently this woman was just 
pretty much harshly scolding this kid for skipping school. And when he found out, he was like, what happened? It was like, well, the kid's mom just died, like the night before of tuberculosis, and he skipped school. And he was like, well, why are you sitting there making him feel bad about, about skipping school? Right. And then, you know, what came out was, well, he lives in a situation where education might be the only thing that can get him out of this. This situation of, of really incredible poverty. Right. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't get the tools to get out, he's never getting out. He's going to be, you know, an adult rifling through garbage to try and make a living. Right. And so, you know, the, the result was, is it more compassionate to sit there and say, oh, it's okay. You can skip school for a day or a week or a month or whatever to get over your loss and potentially stay in your situation till you die. Right. Or tell them to like, you know, but does, does, does it, does, I, I suppose an education would be your only way out. Right. And even then, but then the question in my mind is, is it really a way out? Like how many of these, if, if the kids are getting education, are they getting out? Well, that's the, that's the story that people tell. And I believe that it's, it's been, it's been the pathway to success for like a lot of people, right? The American dream is somebody comes here from whatever country they come from, work like crazy in menial type jobs. Yeah. To make enough money to send their kids to school so that they don't, so that they can work like crazy at professional type jobs. Right. And, and then you move up. Hopefully. But there's, I think there's a glut, right? When I, even, even when we were going through of college age, the whole joke about the education system here was they called it K through 16. You know, you go through college. So it's just like, it's just like going to high school, right? But you just go to college now. Uh huh. And at a time. What is K1? That's like six. That's like just first, first class. K through 12. Okay, is, is what we call it, right? Kindergarten okay. through twelfth grade is your compulsory education. Okay, unless you're Amish, which is eighth grade. Okay, and so you know, it was a, there's a lot of there's. I don't want to call it a complex situation because I think it's a whole lot of. Well, okay, so because it's several problems, several issues, you call it complex. Okay. To any to any to solution to any problem, if there's more than one variable, you would call it a complex solution, a complex problem, right? Most problems are probably complex, aren't they? Well, I think all of them are because there's not there's not just one thing that you can do that fixes everything. No, it's several things. None of those, but in and of themselves, might be terribly complex, difficult. In terms of finding out the answer, they're, they're all difficult in, in terms of like executing. Yeah. That's why, that's why I'm of the, of the belief that there's no such thing as a difficult solution. You know, there's, there's a difficult problem. Yeah. Finding the answer to a problem is not difficult. It's executing your solution. Yeah. That's the difficulty because there's generally more than one variable that you need to look at and try to solve. Right. So, you know, that's why it seems so complex and hard because it's hard anyway. You know, like, uh, like losing weight 
everybody's got the simple solution. You need to eat less. <laughs> you, want, you want to lose weight, you have to eat less. Well, simple solution. Simple or easy. The, the answer is easy. You know, you, you eat less. But doing that is incredibly hard. <laughs> Especially if you're, if you're sitting there in a place where you're just surrounded by cheap food. Yeah. Very hard. You know, it's, 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 I think it's like the difference between super thirsty in the desert as opposed to being super thirsty in the middle of the ocean. Neither one of those problems is better. <laughs> you're, you're in the same situation. Right. If you're in the desert looking for water as a, you know, as opposed to in the middle of the ocean looking for water. In both places, there's no water. Exactly. Well, no water you can drink. Exactly. But being in the ocean, I think, from an emotional and a, from an emotional standpoint, is much harder because you're surrounded by water. Yeah, that's going to be the, and then the temptation to drink the salt water. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hell a temptation to drink sand. <laughs> so, and and uh, lately, as as I've been uh, kind of tooling around the internet, I I I found something with uh, that guy Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh yeah, he was a uh, he was on a uh, he was on 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 a uh, on on Tim Tim what's it Tim Pool's uh, oh he was live 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 podcast that he has he was so like in the press for about five minutes that guy that guy's got some he's I don't know what to think of him I mean he's he's definitely very intelligent yeah he's got several ideas but I was like I, I don't I didn't I never got the wow because the lift really hates him I can understand why All right. But, but he's almost deliberately provocative, right? Well, maybe he called Mary Poppins a witch. Oh, he did? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, when, when he when he expanded on it, I was, I was just like, oh, okay. Because she flies. Well, well, he was saying that he was saying he he was saying that Mary Poppins, well, his original thing was that the women's suffrage is what really kind of brought down the end of civilization. Oh. This is his theory? Yeah. And so when you hear that, if a woman hears that, so what are you saying? You know, it's just like when, when we told uh, a mutual friend that you, as a well, you can't have it all. Uh-huh. And her immediate response was, well, you can't as a man? I was like, well, no, you can't as anybody. Right. But she was so taken aback by the statement that, you know, a woman can't have it all. I don't know why that's so amazing. Well, well, I like think so because shocking. I think it's because they think that men either think or do have it all. It's, no, it's they don't. Well, we say that as 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 dudes, but if this is having it all, then I'm just like, okay, well, I don't feel like I have it all. No, I don't have it all. Well, nobody feels that. Nobody does. It's real. It's real easy. Sometimes I look at guys on, like, personalities, people who are in the public eye, and I'm like, they look like they have it all. But they don't. Families, success, all that shit. But what does that, what does any of that really mean, though? Well, it's what society says, right? It's and, successful. And, right, but even then, it's it's really got to be what you say. <clears throat> well, I don't think about it too much. Right, you just see somebody else like, well, they definitely have to have it better than I do. Right. 
And I, I come up from a, from a slightly different angle and I just, I just don't really care about anybody else. I'm just like, I don't have what I think I'm supposed to have without even thinking about anybody else. Now, as I say that, I do think about other people because, because I'm sitting there going, well, you know. Well, I can think of plenty of people that don't have what you have, so. So can I. Like tons. Me too. I see them every day. Yeah. But if you read San Francisco, Sicko, I always have, to, I always want to say San Francisco, but San Francisco is actually a pretty decent book uh, to a certain point. It's, it's I got a, a pretty funny story about San Francisco because people on the podcast don't know, but Dave doesn't like getting his own library books. So I get all the library books that Dave ever wants to read. And I know I used to work at the library. So I had this whole handful. <laughs> so some of them like, not right-leaning, but just definitely some conservative books. And then I had San Francisco. And, of course, I run into, like, four female librarians that I used to work for. And they'll go, oh, what do you got there? And I'm like, they're like, oh, San Francisco. And they wait, they're like, wait a second, San Francisco? And I was like, uh, yeah, it's from my buddy. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that it's not a, it's not a right, the, the author is not right. In fact, all the books that you've, that you've gotten, and let me, let me, Let's not, let's call a spade a spade here. You like to read those too. Well, I read them as well, but I wouldn't probably get them. They're not written by conservative folks. But that's the thing. She heard the, she heard the, she read the title and she immediately, there's like, there's no way. Well, that's the reason why. read it, right? That's the reason why you should. Yeah. You should read books by people from various uh, viewpoints. Yeah, I was kind of surprised reading The Lords of Ease and Money because I could tell in a couple of places that he's a pretty left-leaning dude. Oh, yeah. But Without a, a doubt. It's a great fucking book. Without a doubt. But it's a good book. It is. But he treats, you know, he, he, he definitely likes politicians on the left and doesn't like the right-leaning guys. Well, that's what I mean by change the dominant culture. We've gone towards a new version of communism. Or the yeah, communist when, when, when he describes, perfect example, when he <laughs> describes Glenn Beck and like, look, I'm not a big fan of Glenn Beck, but when he describes Glenn Beck, it's like a, he's describing a caricature of the guy. I was just like, wow. Well, isn't Glenn Beck really a caricature type character anyway? Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he, he talks about a lot about conspiracy theories and stuff and um, he's not, he's definitely not an investigative journalist. I mean, he's kind of a, I don't know what you call him personality type well he's he's doing what he can to make money so he's like massively popular and that's that's the thing i mean i think i think that and i'm not saying that the people now are communists i'm saying that they are going for a secular religion like communism was it was the first big one in recent memory yeah and when i say recent i mean it's been over 100 and some odd years right yeah it's been a long time 140 ish type type deal yeah so the dominant. So well, the question is, what comes next, though? I don't know, and I don't know that I care. What do you mean? Well, actually, I don't. I, I don't understand your question. Well, okay. So, like, is there something that's gonna like is 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 Christianity gonna supplant communism again? Is it gonna make a comeback? Is it is it still is it is it dead? Is it you know, like, what is there gonna be that's gonna counter? The people that worship socialism. 
I don't. Well, it's not socialism that they're worshiping. It's a. It's a. Sec, it's a different. It's a different. It's a secular religion that's very. I think that is most closely. Can be most closely compared to communism. Well, I'm calling it socialism. Okay, fine. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the question becomes, you know, what what is there that's going to counter that? Maybe nothing. Maybe this is what ends it. That wouldn't be good. Well. It all depends on your perspective. If you believe that us ending is a bad thing, well, yeah, which which most people do. I mean, if you don't, then then you got to figure out what's been going awry. Because depending on your perspective, what's been going awry is different. And there are people that think that this is just kind of like the the birthing pains of getting to the promised land. What, the, the promised land being a communist utopia? Well, being utopia, period. Utopia. Doesn't have to be a communist one, just utopia. But utopia doesn't exist. Unless you're a Except Christian. In heaven. Unless you're, right? Unless you're a Christian, then utopia exists once you die. There's also utopia in various sects of Buddhism as well. Do they exist in life? No. Right, so in religion, utopia happens when you die. And there are people in the secular religions that say, you know what, I don't want to wait till I die. Which I understand. I would much rather be having a utopian existence now. But utopia doesn't, you know, but a la the Princess Bride, you keep on saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> well, why not? Well, Could utopia is like everything's, it's, it's like Sala Salud, right? Who? You ever read that uh, Dr. Sh- Dr. Shu's book called I Had Trouble Getting to Solo Salute? Obviously not. So it's not one of his most... Pop- Is it obvious? <laughs> it's not one of his most popular books, but basically Solo Salute is a place where everyone has nothing to do. It's it, You can... More food that you can eat. It's just this... It's this far off land where everything's perfect and you have no problems. And he's living in shit. He's like living where he's being assaulted daily... Bad weather, just horrendous, right? So he decides he's going to set off to Salasalu, go through just a whole lot of like trials and tribulations. Finally, gets to the city, and there's this little creature in the in the lock of the city. He's got the key to the city, but the creature is knocking the key out every time to get there, and it's basically it's super bad luck to kill the creature. So he can't get into Salasalu. So what do you think he does? Mm-hmm. He gets a big stick. And he goes back to where he started, and he was like, "Now my problems are going to have problems with me." So, so the the message of the book is, deal with your problems. That's, There's no such thing as utopia. Well, that's uh, that's true. Uh, because but it's not a very popular book. Because I would say that, as a as a member of Western society, I reside in Salisbury, and I don't see anything but problems. Oh, that's interesting. So maybe that's the message. Sala Salu is... Well, his, on his thing is you can't get in. It doesn't... Yeah, he's, his, he can't get in. His thing is it doesn't exist, so you need to, like, you know, whack yeah. your problems. But, the, but I'm saying that that's not his pop, most popular book at all. Like, most people don't know that book. Well, I, I've not a, I'm not a big fan of Dr. Seuss anyway, but... Uh, but... As I said... As, as someone who might be labeled as a person who resides in the in the grand land of Salasalu, uh-huh. there ain't nothing but problems. 
Yeah. There's no such thing as a place without problems. That in itself would be a problem. So, And if you're not going to deal with your problems, then you're going to have bigger problems. I suppose, but there's just, there's no, there's no getting around having problems. Right. But you still got to deal with your problems though, right? One would think. Because if you don't, then shit's just going to... Someone else might deal with them for you is what is really kind of what's the expectation. Right. I see that a lot going on now among many people. And uh, that's kind of what's also encouraged. Yeah. You know, having somebody else fix your problems. And your your whole take on that is like, why would you... if, if so, We've talked about this before, and you're always like, well, if someone puts a chocolate mousse in front of you, do you need to, someone to show you how to eat that chocolate mousse? No. Exactly. You do not. So so why would you want someone else to deal with your, to live your, like, deal with your life for you? Well, I'm just saying that I believe that it's in <laughs> my nature, but also in male nature, to do things. I, I believe that it's in the male nature to protect just like I believe it's in the female nature to nurture. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean that it's just one thing. It's not binary. It is and it isn't. You can protect by nurturing as well. Right. You can you can nurture by protecting as well. But this whole idea, while there is overlap, we aren't the same. And... <gasps> What? Well, I'm just thinking that if you if you were uh, if you were a real pe- if you were a known known personality, you'd be cancelled for saying something like that, which is totally uncontroversial. The fact that it shouldn't be controversial. The fact that that has to be that has to be vehemently suppressed kind of shows you that there's a problem. Yeah. This whole idea that we are the same. Nay, you know, not even interchangeable. That we're the same is really kind of strange. Did you just say nay? I did. Are you from like 1850? I don't know. <laughs> Would I want to go back there? No. Nay, that's a that's a archaic expression. It is, and it's a good one. Though. People that sit there and say things were simpler in the old days or whatever or have some kind of nostalgia for stuff. Oh, back when there was, like, no medicine and you could die of, like, and be, like, sick for years and years with something nasty. Well, in the 1850s, what was the average life age? It was, lifespan was, like, somewhere around 40-something. It was young. Yeah, if you lived to 80 in those days, that was, like... If you lived to 50 in those days, you're like, oh. So what what was his... I'm curious now. I mean, I'm probably going to read the book, but... He wanted to set up some kind of separate agency that was... Kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Accountable agency. Something that's something that's because right now the way he feels that things are going on, or especially around the homeless problem, which which the progressive folks he believes started. Okay. You know how the big the big thing among a lot of the progressive is that well you know Ronald Reagan started because he got rid of all the the mental health support. It was the other, it, it wasn't him. <laughs> It wasn't Reagan. It was the people right now that are in the agents that are the that are in the non governmental organizations that are trying to. They're so saying, I didn't even know that. I just knew the talking point that everyone said it was Reagan. Hmm. It's not. It was them. 
So what did they do? They thought it was incredibly unfair and punitive that you would put a crazy per- that a person with severe mental illness in a mental institution. So they just what? They just closed kept, kept the funding. Got them closed. Got people. And to what say, was what was the solution? What was what were the people that were then supposed to do? Leave them alone. Let them because they'd been so victim. And this is another another thing because they'd been so victimized. This uh-huh. is why I don't like the victim privilege thing because to me, it is akin to to revenge. Okay. Right. If you're if you're a member of a victimized or victim class, right, then basically you can do no wrong. No matter what you do, you get a pass. That's not that's not good for a society, as we see. So this whole idea that you need to provide housing for people at hundreds of thousands of dollars per small whatever, right, and give them the drugs and whatever, because well, his his main his main thesis is that the homeless problem is really just severe mental illness coupled with like severe drug addiction or a combination of the two. That sounds right. Like I would I would go along with that. Yeah, and so from what I've seen, so his point is: is a compassionate sit there and just give them drugs, let them shoot up. No. But then you're but then the response to that is well you're being uncompassionate. Cause you How is that compassionate? That's my point. It's not compassionate. It's uh fueling an addiction which is in, entirely destructive. So how's that compassionate? That's like not stopping a kid from running out on the road. Right, like, oh, well, that kid should be able to do what he wants. Okay, well, that kid's going to get run over. Well, there's a whole how lot is of, that compassion? There's a whole lot of things to that, right? You're comparing apples to oranges. You don't know where that kid's been. You don't know where that person's been. You don't know what that person's but been through. But the compassionate through. act would be to stop that kid from getting run over. In the long run, and in the short run. <laughs> None. But if you don't think that that kid's going to get run over... If he runs out on the street, chances are he's going to get run over. But if you don't think that's going to happen, uh-huh. then all of a sudden, or if you don't want to talk about it, then you just get attacked, which is really what happens now, right? Like if you're against... But how, wait, wait, wait. How is that apples and oranges? Because it's, it, like the, I think the analogy is sound because it's like if, if you let a drug user, if you give a drug user more drugs... Knowing that it's a destructive habit, isn't it the same? But you're infantilizing this person that's doing the drugs. Okay. okay. I'm not. I'm not. So you're, you're, okay. I'm not saying that that person isn't someone that needs to be looked out for. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's. There might not be. A, a good response to that from the person that's that's you know putting forth this idea. But addicts, I like children. I believe they are. So, but anybody, anybody's like a child. I mean, you put me, you put me, if I decide I'm going to go on a diet and then you put me in a room with, with unlimited food, there's probably going to be no way that I'm going to not partake. Yeah. And, and I don't think of myself as a child. Well, I have a hard time saying no when people just give me good food or bad food. I'm just food saying, in general. Yeah. I never say no, but this whole idea, this whole idea that, um, like I said, I mean, we just, 
the viewpoints are so incredibly divergent. And there are, there are so many things to, to get to the, to the root of it. And I think the root of it is, is we're kind of denying our nature in a really destructive way based on this idea that we are better. If that makes any sense. We like to pride ourselves on being better than all the other animals on earth when it suits us. And then we like to say, oh, but it's just nature. It's just human nature. You know, like the people that sit there and say polygamy or multiple, multiple uh, sexual partners. We can't help it. Right. So, so at that well, point. Which I, is it? Exactly. We can't have it both ways. You kind of can. You shouldn't be able to have it both ways. How about that? Well, in reality, you can't. But I think that. So, do you think people are compassionate, though? What do you or mean I by know. What do you mean by compassionate? Uh, I guess I'm talking about empathy. Well, you have to you have to tell me what empathy means to you, because empathy, what I what I see what I see it going on a lot is people throw out these terms, thinking that we think. We thinking that we assign the same definition to these terms. When I think of empathy, I think of being able to put myself in somebody else's shoes when they're having a hard time of things. Okay, yeah. Right? Like, it's if I see somebody who's hungry, for example. You know what it's like to be hungry and you want to solve that. Right. That would be empathy. And the compassionate thing would be to give them food. Right. Now, I think that the, the difference of the divergence happens when you just... When, when you ask people, how do you do that? Is it better to give them food right now and just keep on giving them food? Or is it better to, to, to get them to, to get them to a point where they can get their own food? Huh. And for a big chunk, it's like, look, there's no way they can get their own food because they've been too victimized. So you need to change the whole structure of everything. But that's kind of. That's a very, uh, that's basically saying that person is beyond, beyond being able to help themselves. Like if you gave them the tools or gave them resources, they wouldn't be able to help themselves. Well, I think, I think the argument, the counter argument to that is no, it's not. It's that the system is rigged against them so they can never be able to. So you need to cut a break. Number one. Well, it's an, it's an interesting way to argue stuff because there's no, they're basically saying there's no way this person would ever be able to help themselves. Right? Well, I think they're saying that... Like, like, I think with it match. I think, well, that's, that's, that could be one way to interpret it, but I think what they're really saying is that there's, you got to fix the system. By and, having another... And my way is the way to fix the system. By having another government organization? And... Well, that's the point. That's the point. Do you do you believe that someone that you can give someone the tools to d- to do things for themselves, or you know, do you need to, or should you do it for them because they they can't until the system changes? Well, can't you help them in the meantime, and can't well, you do both things at once? You can, but I think that I think that what happens is that your own self interest comes along. 
because these these little NGOs they get money, right? And it seems to me that with a lot of NGOs they're not really into solving problems because when you solve a problem, you 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 can render yourself obsolete. Like creating the light bulb that bends for a hundred years. Yeah. If you create something that fo- that fixes a problem, and there's no more problem, no more NGO, then no more no more no more money train for you to solve the problem. Mm. So that's the that's the first big thing. But I'm pretty sure that people who are India, like not everybody, who's an NGO. Well, I don't know, but I'm going to assume that that they're not going to say that's what they're about. They're going to say, I'm about helping people. Yeah. Right. Look, there's loads of problems out there. There's loads of stuff out there, but we can, we can, it's too hard for us to get outside of ourselves. Like everybody that works in government, I believe, would think that government is the answer to everything. Well, you kind of have to, don't you? Right. I mean, if you're part of that, I mean, and there are things that are always going to be necessary. But, you know, like the IRS, that, that's a necessary thing. If we're going to continue with the way we're doing, can you can you make it to where the IRS is not that big of an agency or whatever? Sure you can. Do people in that agency want that to happen within their, their careers or their lifetimes? No. Right. And even even with even with uh, with policing, policing is definitely necessary. Anybody that says that, that, that it isn't is, I think, trying to sell you something. And, and, and in saying that, oh, we can switch to something else, that, that may or may not work, but, you know, what's, what's the actual problem? What are we trying to, to stop? We're trying to stop crime. Crime's never going to stop. Curb crime. Okay. How much, how much crime do you want to curb and how do you want to do it? That's where the problems come. That's where the, the difficulty comes. Because, you know, supposedly, most of the time, people people want to obey laws because they believe in them. A la San Francisco. Yeah. But if you don't believe in it, then things just kind of start going awry. Rather muted uh, day for us. It was good, though. But you know, think you know we live we live in a in a time that's incredibly good in a in, in a in a whole host and horde of ways, but just as bad. I mean, you know, would I rather live now as me or as a peasant in the Middle Ages, twelfth century, or any time, even even you know Russia in the nineteenth century? I would not want to be a peasant, right? But there's problems. There's always going to be problems. I think there's big problems coming, but... Well, yeah, but people have been able to kind of push, kick, up, kick the can down. And really, the, uh, the whole idea is that you don't want to be the one... You don't want to be the one without a seat when the music stops. <laughs> yeah. So, there it is. 
Christmas movies are are abundant this year, and, and not that good. Well, it's because there's so many. Dude. I believe. I believe. Last year was like good. This it year better. This year, I don't know what's going on. Well, there's there's been a lot of things, and it's like uh, it's like it's like with I I really enjoy Christmas movies, and I used to love it when uh, when Ion was basically the only game in town. Ion and Hallmark a little bit, and you had about a month's worth of Christmas movies. When I say a month is like a new movie every every week for about a month, right? And those movies weren't bad, you know. When there was about ten or ten or fifteen of them, not bad. Now it's like eight weeks at well, least. Well, now now I think it. I think now there's at least. Uh, when did it start? When did the Christmas movie start? It was like before the before November, right? Well, Hallmark has always has I think traditionally done it to where they started around middle of October, right? And when, and of course Hallmark has had its own version of Costco happen. It, for all of you folks that don't know, Costco was started by a former employee of Sam's Club. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> that's kind of what happened now, because Hallmark's, there's a new channel. There's a new, there's a rebranded existing channel, uh, like GHC or something. Okay. Or G, uh, and I believe that the head of that used to be the head of Hallmark's entertainment division. And, you know, so there's... I wonder t- who owns GAC. I don't know. I think it used to be like the Nashville Network or something. Or, okay. But... So now there's more movies. Well, that's always the... Th- well, that's always the thing. The more of something there is, the less good it is. Like, I suppose that there could be a professional baseball and football team for every major city in the United States. There's not? Uh, No. Well, how many major cities are there, though? What would you consider major? I mean, I would I would think that a capital city or a city with like over a few hundred thousand people. Oh, well, that's a lot of baseball teams. Professional, right? I mean, if you even if you even if you look at the college teams, they're still the big college teams. I mean, there's like what? Oh shoot, I don't know, but there's 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 at least fifty to a hundred. Big Division One schools. Shit, they all have sports teams. Football is usually the the big money maker. Man, America is so big. I mean, the biggest the biggest uh, state employees of most states are the coaches of the of, of of you know state university teams. Wow, football coaches. And you know, even even with that many, there's still enough because there's what millions of kids that play. Yeah little league sports and as you go up like in high school there's still millions and then from the millions it gets called to the tens of thousands maybe for college right and then from college to the pros you go from like thousands maybe tens of thousands to hundreds and and where am I going with that so basically the the more the more people there are doing something the less good, I guess, it gets. Yeah. Because, right, we're both we're both professionals. And in our lifetimes, the professional class has ballooned to the point where early on in my career, I would have made way more money being a factory worker. Could I have gotten that job? Wow. Or being a plumber? 
I remember my first year as a, as a new attorney, I was talking to a guy that had just been, that was my age, basically, that didn't go to college and, and, and was learning how to be a plumber. So I was going to college being stupid, but also learning stuff. He was learning how to be a plumber. By the time we got out, or I got out, doing all that stuff, he was making more money than I was. Right. And he was kind of he was kind of surprised at that. Yeah. And, and like, and I'm like, look, there's a lot of people going into the into these fields. A lot of them don't have what it takes. But you can still make a you know you can still make a decent living, and there are people that make great livings doing it. Yeah. But the whole idea that doing that as opposed to going into a trade, those times are gone. But the way that the economy was set up, more money was being made by exporting jobs out. Yeah. And, you know, even even with even with globalism, which I think is trying to make a permanent underclass of most of the people. You know, yeah, I, including I, professionals. I, I, I mean, I had the thought here where where where, you know, the whole. What is it? The, the the people on the left are harping on the people on the right about the great replacement theory, and the people on the right are like, "But that's your theory," <laughs> and it is. But I think the I think the whole thing is to have to is to create permanent underclasses. You know, why do you want to have a super open border and let people come in and do all that? It's like so that they can always there can always be an underclass. Yeah. For the for the permanent upper class. Which is what people people really just going after that. I mean, if you look at if you look at the British system and, and the nobilities and aristocracy, that's all that's all it really was. And without the thing to call that class, which was essentially warfare, right? All the people that are considered upper classes and nobles, what they really were were soldiers, right? And they were always killing each other, privileged soldiers, but soldiers nonetheless. You know, just like the samurai, there was a whole class of people that were. <laughs> And you could only be born into it, but that 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 group stayed kind of small because there was always wars and they were always getting killed. Right. And but, then once there wasn't wars anymore, then well, there's no need for a permanent. I don't think that there's ever a need for a permanent anything. Yeah. You know, so in a sense, you could you could call me a revolutionary because I don't think that I don't, but. Because I don't think that there should be a permanent, you know, whatever. I don't think that there should be a king, a hereditary king, especially not one with absolute power. But even if even if you have a hereditary king without absolute power, then all the all the people surrounding them, they get all the power, and then you as the king are a mascot, and that's when your that's when your family, the pool of the the pool where the next king or queen comes from. That's where you get the danger. You know, that's why these people are killing, killing off each other's brothers and cousins and stuff, because a power interest will just say, I want this person to be at the head. Right. We'll get that. When that person gets at the head, we get our power. Yeah. So, you know, we've meandered uh, quite a bit. Yes, all over. But uh, it's probably because we don't have, uh, we don't have anything to, to really talk about. Or anything really good to eat today. Yeah, that too. And, you know, our, uh, I don't know how much longer we're going to keep talking about our forays into, uh, into trying more socialization. Well, maybe if more happens. Well, that's the thing. 
it's kind of the, 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 the chips are kind of set against us basically by how we are. Right. It's really easy to sit there and say, I can't lift this. We'll grow stronger. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's a comical thing to say, and it's true. But, you know, the whole idea of like, well, you should meet more people. You know, the avenues are pretty limited for us. There's already a limited avenue. They're even more limited for people like us. Yeah. So, I don't know. But there's probably a lot of people like us, though. Well, there are. That's the funny thing about so it. So those people probably would be quite happy to meet us. Hey, there's a way. If you're in Southern California, let's let's figure something out. Exactly. But maybe that's what we should... Actually, we should probably think about that. You and I should kind of think about that and ruminate on it. If we really want to solve problems or look at problems, let's, let's, let's figure out something that we can actually really just delve into. Let's do it. Because... With, with with the full knowledge that it's going to be super tough because there's in any in any one problem there's going to be tens if not hundreds if not infinite sub problems that are going to have to be looked at. Ugh. That makes me tired just thinking about it. Well, that's just life, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> dude, we need to we need to shoot this podcast in the head. All right. Like, subscribe, keep listening. I know we uh, we were a little uh, we got a little busy, so we couldn't uh, we haven't been as as uh, diligent as yeah. We but there's been. gonna be a, there's gonna be a couple going out this week, and then this one will go up. So please like, that. subscribe, tell all your friends about us. Oh, and it's probably gonna be Thanksgiving. Yeah, we'll be Thanksgiving soon. So when's Thanksgiving? A uh, couple of weeks. Is it the week after next? Yes. So I guess if. If we don't get something out before Thanksgiving, we need to say Happy Thanksgiving all. Yes. And if we do, even if we don't, just, uh, you know, eat tons of food, unbutton your pants, and just listen, even though things are supposed to be really expensive now. And it's eggnog turkey season. Eggnog turkey? Hmm.